Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Snoqualmie Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. The last episode, we talked to the folks of the unincorporated town of Falls City, which is really interesting. A city that's named a city, but it never was actually a city. And again, today we have a little unincorporated area that most everybody knows because if you ever make any kind of traveling off of I-90 into Sequoia Valley, you pass right through this little uh, quaint community, which at one, one time was a little bit more prosperous in the in the age of logging. Uh, than one would uh, 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 gather and traveling through it today. Um, it's a little community of Preston, uh, Washington. And joining me today is uh, Ed Holmes, uh, who has uh, some things to share with us today about the history of this very unique community. So welcome, Ed. Thank you. Uh, and Ed, just, just to get started, this I think would be helpful to the listeners because just in our pre-discussions pre previous to this meeting, I have to admit that I was kind of educated in that I really didn't understand the differences between Upper Preston and Lower Preston. We also had that uh, a little community that was existing at one time called High Point. Uh, maybe uh, just for the folks to get started with this program, can you just kind of uh, uh, describe those uh, different communities and where they were approximately? Yeah, sure. The uh, town that we know of as Preston is, is the one that like you say is most widely known by folks because of the exit sign on I-90. And uh, it was established about 1892. And uh, up the hill uh, from Preston across the Raging River to the east was a pretty good stand of cedar and fir. And so the fellows that started the Preston Mill Company bought the land about a mile and a half up there in the hills for the lumber. And uh, that around the mill there, a town grew by the name of Upper Preston for lack of a better name, I guess. And so Upper Preston isn't really well known until there's a flood that knocks out a bridge or something happens, then you'll see it on television news once in a while. And, uh, and then back towards uh, Issaquah about two miles or three miles was a, another uh, place called High Point. And uh, High Point was named that because it was uh, sort of the, the peak you reached on the railroads as you traveled around out there. And uh, the, the brother of the fellow that started Preston and the Preston Mill Company uh, started a, another similar lumber company in High Point. So it's, it's kind of similar in its uh, Swedish heritage and, and the type of industry they had and the kind of folks they had. And uh, you'll still see a, uh, an exit for High Point on the, the freeway, but there's not much there anymore. So uh, uh, I was just going to add one thing. A lot of folks get confused about the term uh, Preston, Upper Preston, and and Top Hill in Preston. There's a Preston's kind of in two tiers, and a lot of folks get confused about the the two tiers of Lower Preston, uh, and the the upper tier there is called uh, Top Hill. And so, if you refer to Upper Preston, some folks will get confused and think you're talking about the the land just west of of uh, where they drive through Preston. That's uh, Top Hill in Preston, as opposed to Upper Preston, which is a mile and a half away. I'm just going to go ahead and self-admit that I was, I'm a, a born and raised in the Sequoia Valley, and I was not really fully aware of that. I 
was a little bit confused about that. Of course, high point is indicated by there's an exit sign for high point so that I knew that there was a little distance between that and that community. And so appreciate that. And uh, um, and so Preston was founded, you you basically said, by a uh, individual, a Swedish uh, heritage. It started the timber company there. Let's talk, you know, heard it once described that, described that, Everybody came, the immigrants that came to the United States came for one or two reasons, basically, economic uh, opportunity or religious freedom or both <laughs> in, in some cases. And I think that really did apply to the folks in uh, Preston. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that correct? Sure. Yeah. The, in fact, they're kind of a prime example. Uh, the folks that uh, founded Preston, the Lovegren family, August Lovegren being the, the prime driver in the Lovegren clan was a, a Swedish Baptist. And uh, at, at that point in history in the 1890s and previous of a couple of decades, uh, the Lutherans who were very close to the government in Sweden were very anti anything other than Lutheran. And so uh, from maybe 1860, 70, 80, that era, there was a lot of growth of non-Lutheran Protestant religions, including baptism. In, uh, in Sweden, and uh, it was it was actually legally forbidden. And so if you practiced uh, as, a, as a Baptist, you'd have to hold secret rights in your house and you were subject to being uh, raided and taken off to jail for uh, practicing the Baptist religion. At the, at the same time, at the period that August first came over, which was more like the 18, early 1880s, it took him a while to, to get to Preston, uh, there was a lot of economic hardship. You can find in some of the writings of the Lovegrens that uh, when, uh, when August was a, a kid, he was sent out to the woods to find a particular kind of tree where you could cut the bark off, dry it, and, and uh, turn it into uh, bread. Uh, very, very poor. And so uh, he was bound and determined to get away from uh, the oppression religiously and to find a better life. And uh, he found his way to the U.S., uh, stopped in Minnesota and, and made it to Seattle. And uh, that was the, the prime driver. In fact, many of the folks that lived in what you drive through as Preston now uh, had the same motivations, including my great-grandparents. Uh, they, they loved the thought of uh, religious freedom in America, and they loved the thought of a, a good-paying job. And so that's what drove a lot of folks to Preston. Remarkable individuals, all they really were. Uh, the fact that the amount of hard work that they took on to establish life all anew. Uh, I and you were kind enough to provide me a little bit of reading material to brush up on immediately before this program. And and I read that uh, some of these individuals. Uh, do I have a right that even August, the founder, he was he was up in years, a few years before he actually came here. Uh, and uh, it's amazing to me. How, I mean, they basically were starting their life over. Yeah, that was, uh, here we're running into one of the confusions. So many people have the same name in the oh, I'm sorry. family. Yeah. You, you're really, I think, talking about uh, August Lovegren's uncle, August oh. Carlson. And uh, yeah, he was he was an amazing story because he came to, to uh, be with his nephew, who was the, the rich success story of the, the family. The rest of them back in Sweden were poor farmers, but August Larson, August uh, Lovegren's uncle, came in his like mid fifties or so along with his wife and some of his family kids had already come. A couple of his daughters had already come to Preston. So it was like uh, coming to a paradise for them. 
to, to get out of Sweden. You just had to raise the money to get the, the fare for the, the ship and the, and they, they all went steerage, of course, because they had no money really. And then the train ride from New York to, uh, to Preston. But uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a great thing for them and a lot of other folks in August Lovgren's uh, area of Sweden, which is Värmland, if anybody studies Swedish geography. Now, uh, Ed, even though a lot of the people that originally came here were uh, seeking to uh, practice their, their Baptist religion freely, but they, uh, uh, Lutherans were here too, isn't that correct? And, and they basically formed uh, separate communities, if you will. That's another one of the distinguishing things between Upper Preston and Lower Preston, isn't that correct? Yes. Uh, so uh, uh, Lower Preston uh, was was uh, a lot of the folks that, that came there uh, even knew August Lovgren and uh, knew of him probably either by living in the same area of Sweden or by association through the Baptist religion in, in those days. And uh, so they came, many of them directly from Sweden to work for August, but there were a lot of other Swedes in the Puget Sound area that had come and, and most were Lutherans, Baptists were a small sect. And uh, the folks that, that came to Lower Preston uh, tended to be folks that were skilled at, at uh, turning lumber into, or logs into lumber, finished lumber. Uh, the folks in Upper Preston were loggers and they came more from a province in Sweden called Jämtland. I won't try to spell it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they, were, they were more, had a logging history. And, uh, and they were in an area that was, very Lutheran. And so you found a lot of folks that migrated to Upper Preston from within Puget Sound, they were already here and they tended to be Lutheran. And so you had quite a divide in terms of philosophy uh, between Lower Preston and Upper Preston in terms of religion and lifestyle. Uh, the Upper Preston folks thought, uh, for instance, that drinking and dancing were okay. And, the, and that was strictly forbidden in Lower Preston, uh, wow. especially okay. drinking. In fact, uh, when August Lovgren sold some of his land to uh, some of his workers and others, he, he put a, a clause in the, the deed that if they ever were to sell alcohol on their properties, the, the ownership of the house and land would revert to him. So <laughs> they, they were very strong uh, about that. <laughs> that'd, be an in, that'd be an interesting... Uh title disclosure during closing of property. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. <laughs> That's interesting. And so the mill, I barely remember the mill as a boy myself. Uh, it was right there in uh, lower Preston proper, as you would say, correct? Yep, right along the Raging River. Uh, as you come off the freeway and you take the Preston exit and you go down towards the river, it's, it's off to the right. You can still see a building or two. It's now been purchased by King County and it's uh, called the Preston Mill Park. Uh, they haven't done a lot yet, but they're planning to do some interesting stuff with the grounds over time. I'm hoping they'll do a little bit to sort of uh, pay homage to the, to the Swedes that, uh, that built the place. But you can still, I think, walk around there if you wanted to. There's still a couple of mill buildings. Well, uh, one, one uh, building that did get some government assistance, uh, they did have a community hall, but uh, 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 fire or something, it meant his demise somehow, and it was rebuilt by uh, help me, was it the WPA or CCC, one of the, one of the uh, Great Depression programs, um, with Anna Franklin Roosevelt, built that beautiful uh, community hall that exists there today. 
Yes, uh, uh, the original hall was built in 1910 uh, and it burned down at the beginning of the depression sometime in the early 30s. And uh, by the late 30s with uh, Roosevelt and the New Deal coming along, somebody with some smarts in Preston uh, petitioned to get the, the hall rebuilt at a different location in Preston. But yeah, that was done in like 1939-40 time period by the, the Works Progress Administration. So it was a really great uh, enhancement to the community there and to other communities because it's, it's used by all kinds of folks in the area. It's a beautiful old uh, building. It certainly is. It's very you see it on the right left as you, as you can see, you see, you'll see it on the left as you come into town. It's kind of the primary piece of architecture now in the, in the town that's left. Beautiful, beautiful building. And there's another building. We're going to take a short pause right now. But uh, when we come back, Ed, uh, there's another community building that I would like to talk about uh, that um, that you can give us some local history about that exists up in Upper Preston. So when we come back, we'll talk about that community hall at that time. So okay. we'll be right back. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Valley Talk and Info. Join us for our weekly paranormal radio show, Northwest Phenomenon, each Sundays at 7 p.m. Have a story you'd like to share? Call our Northwest Phenom hotline 247-775-990-5151, or you can email me on my website, onairmario.com. All calls and emails are confidential. Listen on demand, subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, search Northwest Phenomenon. We'll see you Sunday at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Hi, I'm Chris Heim, inviting you to join me in the Global Village for the best in music from all around the globe. We highlight new releases, rare and classic recordings, birthdays, holidays, and a host of features, specials, and unique concert performances, all drawing on styles and influences from many different corners of the world. Great sounds from all around the globe in the Global Village, Thursday nights from 7 till 9, here on Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest Eclectic Music. Welcome back to uh, Tales Tales from Toll. Well, we today we're talking to uh, Ed Holmes about the uh, fascinating, big, rich history of such a, a relatively small community, but it was a it was a dynamic community of the uh, of Preston that um, was primarily founded by folks that were involved in logging, and there was actually all the way through to the production of lumber and a sawmill that existed. And Preston uh, up until not too many decades ago. So uh, we talked about the beautiful uh, community hall that's down in Lower Preston. Uh, Ed, there's uh, another facility we should give a little bit of homage to that exists up in Upper Preston. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, there's a nice little building called Vasa Hall is how it's titled on the outside. And uh, it's part of the uh, National Vasa organization, which was uh, sort of a Swedish philanthropic society uh, that, that came to be during the heavy migration of Swedes into the area from Sweden. And I was just checking my records because I thought you might ask me about Vasa Hall and it was actually uh, donated about 1910 to the Vasa organization. Prior to that, it had been a hall for the uh, International Organization of Good Templars, I think was the name, which was a uh, organization that was dedicated to to clearing the world of alcohol and saving the alcoholics, <laughs> and, uh, and which kind of th throws a wrench into my earlier statement that the, the folks in Upper Preston were not averse to a drink now and then. But uh, uh, so in 1910, that was given to the Order of Vasa. And Vasa, who don't know 
was uh, that organization was named after the first king of Sweden, whose name was Vasa, and um, and so the, the, what that became was a uh, a place where folks could uh, get together in a community. They they took care of each other in in the sense that if you had a say a husband that died in a logging accident, you had help and support, even money to go on with your life. And so it was a very important piece of the community for a long, long time. Um, they, even today, they still hold uh, meatball, Swedish meatball dinners. They have uh, celebrations for uh, midsummer as they do in Sweden. And uh, it's, it's just kind of a community uh, uh, center for, for Swedish and Scandinavian culture now. The original building uh, burned down in the 1930s and was actually replaced by uh, uh, the building that was serving as the warehouser company store uh, in Stokholmi. And so in 1949, the folks in Upper Preston purchased that building and brought it piece by piece to Upper Preston and reassembled it there. So since 49, it's been a different building, but the same, same spirit of uh, fraternity with the, within the Scandinavian community goes on. That's, that's a, uh, in, uh, is there other attractions that would be of uh, key interest to listeners to in the upper Preston uh, area? You know, uh, that's really about all that's left of, of uh, and, and really all, all there ever was in terms of attraction. There, there's a, mm -hmm. the mill site is still there, but it's not really a publicly accessible place. It's, uh, you know, alongside the, the raging river, the flume that took lumber from Upper Preston to Lower Preston is gone. Um, what's happened the last 30 years is uh, a lot of money has come into the area. So you'll see the old uh, buildings that were built in the in the 1910, 20 era, and then you'll see sort of the Microsoft millionaire set of homes mm -hmm. up there with mm -hmm. acres and big beautiful houses. But uh, I, th I think Vassa Hall, other than the sort of the stylistic uh, homes that are that are a little bit of Sweden up there. That's, that's about it in terms of attractions. I did see a little bit of uh, just some passing through. I have seen some remodeling of some of the old original mill homes down in the lower Preston area, which was nice to see. Uh, one right alongside the roadside there that got a little bit of a makeover. I hope that is a trend that continues and some of these old buildings are not torn down, but it yet are, are basically remodeled and 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 uh history's preserved yeah there's a there's a place folks might know of uh, called camp terry right in preston right next to the river the raging river and i think it was a ymca camp at one point i'm not sure <clears throat> who runs it now but uh the homes around that area were originally uh, some of them were built by the mill to house the workers and those of course have survived and and uh, gone on to be remodeled and had multiple generations of folks come and go. So there's a quite a bit of history just in the, in the housing down there. And of course, there's the, the church that was built in uh, 1904, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, August Lovegren dedicated, gave the land and the lumber to the folks in town so they could build a Baptist church. Of course, he was the, the elder of the church. But uh, so that's still there, beautiful old building, still active. No longer so Baptist, it's now non-denominational, but... So many people pass through uh, Prosser on their way uh, to and uh, from uh, other places. A lot of people uh, with their children uh, go to the ball fields and, uh, and things that exist in the uh, upper tier of uh, Lower Preston. Uh, there's a lot of activity today. 
because this is a program that focuses on history, do you want to just give us just a brief glimpse about what, uh, at, in its heyday, when the mill was going strong, what would you expect to see if you had been in a lower uh, Preston and the way of existing businesses that existed at that time and how many people were there? Yeah, I think at peak, there were probably uh, between Preston and Upper Preston, maybe 500 people. I think uh, the peak of the mill operation might have been something like 200 men working at the various mills. Um, from 1910 on, you would have seen a, a very nice hotel and community center built by the new owner, which we haven't talked about, uh, named C.J. Erickson. Uh, Mr. Lovegren, August Lovegren, sold out in 1910. He wanted to uh, to move someplace where he could build a complete Swedish Baptist utopia. So he sold out uh, Preston and moved to a place called Cherry Grove, Oregon, built another mill town and another mill. But uh, 1910, the, the hotel was built, which I think lasted till the late 70s. It became the post office and mill office. A lot of folks may have remembered it as a, as a mill office. Mm -hmm. And next to it was a community center. There was also a, um, a place called the Roost, which was a ice cream and uh, soda candy kind of place. And sometimes the uh, mill would actually pay the workers in tokens for the Roost or the general store that was in town. Mm -hmm. So uh, the place where the current community center is now that was built by the WPA was actually the site of a, uh, a rooming house and the uh, Preston Mercantile, which originally was owned by the mill company. And uh, uh, quite often the, the workers would, uh, again, get tokens for the general store, the mercantile, to get their food and so on. So you would have seen on your left coming in a boarding house and a, uh, and a company store. And on your right, you would have seen the, the big hotel, probably three stories, and, uh, and the ice cream parlor, and you'd have seen the community center. Uh, and then, then down the road a little bit to the right, almost to the river, you'd have seen the Baptist church. And uh, that was probably the main attraction other than the railroad depot was in town. And again, it's at the, uh, the railroad ran where the current uh, walking path is between Preston and Fall City. And of course, you'd have seen the wor working mill uh, on your right as you came into town with lots of smoke and noise. You'd have heard the, uh, the whistles blow for the start of shifts and the lunch hour. Uh, you'd have seen that lunch hour, you'd have seen the whistle blow and you'd seen 200 guys walking, or at least 100 guys in Lower Preston, walking from the mill back to their houses to have lunch. So they all went to lunch back at their houses and then came back to the mill an hour later. Wow. Uh, you might have seen a guy named o Oli, Olaf Carlson, who was the butcher at the mercantile store. You might have seen him about once a week walking a cow back from Fall City to Preston, where he'd put it in the, the company farm acre and uh, get it fattened back up again to slaughter uh, for food for the for the town. So, you know, there weren't many back in the early 1900s. There, folks didn't really have cars, maybe the mill owner, and that was about it. So right. a lot of folks on horses and wagons and a lot of walking. And if you didn't like, yeah, if my grandfather was once to, interviewed uh, about uh, whether the, he was felt he was gouged at the company store, and he said, no, well, I just walked to Fell City if I didn't thought they were charging me too much. 
No, that was. <laughs> oh boy. And 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 another form of transportation you mentioned it was the train. A lot of people don't realize that they're enjoying that. Uh, some of our newer residents and appreciate uh, that, that being a trail. That was a major line of commerce that went from uh, the, basically the Seattle and, and Bothell area and around the north end of the lake all the way uh, east, if I remember right, that line went east uh, Lake Sammamish uh, through Issaquah Circle, made a very high trestle that used to go across I-90 right outside of Issaquah and then headed towards Preston. And there was another very large, well, there's several large trestles on that uh, line that no longer exists, but there was another high trestle about halfway between Fall City and Preston. Yeah, and it was, a, it was a quite uh, well used. The, the story that I remember most is that uh, my, like my grandfather went through the fifth or sixth grade at the Preston grade school. They had one school in town, which is another thing you would see that I omitted, but uh, there was an old two-story uh, school in, in town. And um, the, uh, the kids of the mill workers went through sixth grade and then the boys went to work in the mill, but the, the supervisors and the mill owners and so on, their kids would, when they got through with Preston grade school, would take the train to Issaquah every day to go to what would be, I guess, junior high school and high school in Issaquah. So there's a little bit of a, a class deviation even back in those days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the the railroad was really important. Uh, uh, that that's really why August Lovgren picked that location. The railroad had been built prior to him uh, coming into Preston. That's one of the attractions uh, for him uh, back in 1892 when he wandered into town. So important was railroads, and and uh, Eddie shared with me before the program started that to get the lumber because the. the the line was a little bit removed from the mill. They had an elaborate system where they lifted lumber up to the track, uh, which would have been a fascinating thing to see also. Yeah, for, first uh, driven just by the power was was a three or four guys pulling a heavy wagon full of lumber up a ramp, and then they eventually developed a conveyor system that brought it up to the, to the railroad. So yeah, it was quite a little climb from where the mill was to the the railroad. That's one of the reasons August was wanted to go to Cherry Grove because it was flat. He got real tired of dealing with all the hills. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, hey, Ed, we're about out of time uh, because this, this is such a fascinating story to me, the Preston, you know, maybe because it, I grew up in a, in a family that was engaged in both agriculture and logging and family operates, still does, a very small mill uh, just outside of Carnation, Davidson's Sawmill. Um, this is so fascinating, but I think it's fascinating to everybody that lives around that area and drives through that area of the rich history that's there. Uh, you have um, committed a lot of your time to try to help preserve uh, these legacies. And one of the ways you're doing that is through a Facebook page. Would you want to tell us about that so people might be able to check it out? Sure. It's uh, The easiest way to get to it is to, to go to Facebook and just search on families from Preston. That's families from Preston. And it's been going on about, I think we've doing maybe eight years now. And we've collected thousands of photographs and stories, most historic, a few local community things also. But you can find uh, lots and lots and lots of, uh, of historical photos and photos. And we try to research the stories that go with the photos. And a lot of the photos are restored so you can really see some, some detail about the town. 
And if anybody wants, has any questions, they can get a hold of me at my email, which was is uh, edward.holmes, that's H-O-L-M-E-S, at hotmail.com. And I would suppose your contact information might be available on the uh, Facebook page too? Uh, I don't know if it actually is or not. It could be. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. I well, attention to that. I'm not really too technical on Facebook. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be a, a, a you, you said there, it's a, a Edward dot homes at, do you want to repeat that one more time so uh, people have it? Sure. Sure. Edward dot homes. That's H O L M E S at hotmail.com. Edward, this has been so fascinating. I sure appreciate you uh, talking with us today. This is this has been fun to talk about. It's been very educational to me. I've learned a lot uh, that I uh, didn't previously know. And I hope people just take a, take a moment as they enjoy all the um, new things there are to do in present day Preston, uh, just to stop and reflect about the, the hardships our forefathers and uh, ancestors went through to uh, develop this area and uh, the struggles that they faced to make uh, the community what it is today. They were remarkable lives and we uh, owe them some gratitude for the, the work that they did. And so take a moment and and check out this uh, Facebook page. I love the fact that you kind of interjected both contemporary stuff and historical and the same one because that makes it all just that much more relevant to people to, to check out. I hope that everybody does. So, and thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Edwin. Okay, folks, we're out of time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Tales from Told. Tune in next week when we talk about another interesting aspect of Valley history. Bye for now. Thanks. <laughs>